Father, we thank You for Your great provision. We thank You, God, for Your hand that guides and directs us and leads us. We thank You that You are not surprised by any of the events of this week, that You are still on Your throne, You're still in control, and Lord, we still worship You regardless of what may transpire. God, we thank You that while we were yet sinners, You died for us and that You gave Yourself for us. And we thank You that through Jesus we can have fellowship with You. Lord, through Jesus we know You and we are Your children. And so this morning we invite You, Father, to speak to our hearts. Though the world would bring us to believe that it is chaos and that You are not in control. Father, we choose to worship You and to believe in the truth of Your Word that You are God. And Lord, though thousands may fall, though many may fear, though many may come to a place of where uh, they are inhibited by the stresses of the world, Lord, we choose to believe and we choose to walk in faith and not by sight, knowing, God, that You are in control, that You are the Lord our God who is ruler over all, that greater is He that's in us than he that is in the world, and that, Lord, we can say, great is Thy faithfulness. So, Lord, as we look at Your Word this morning, speak to our hearts, inspire peace, and inspire faith. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. We're going to be looking at two passages, but we're going to start with 2 Kings chapter 5, a story that many of you are very familiar with or have heard before in the past. And so we want to invite you to uh, see it, go through this story with us. And there are a few points I want to make that I believe are universal principles for us today. You know, there are a couple of principles as we look at Scripture this morning that I think are imperative for us to recognize. First of all, that we live in a world that when we see sicknesses like have been presented, the swine flu. And again, it appears that we've probably overreacted in society at this point. But nevertheless, I think when we see and we recognize the sicknesses that are in life, that it points us to the fact that there is another world, that there's another world that we belong to, that there's going to be a new earth. And that new earth and that new life that is talked about in Scripture is found in Revelations chapter 21, verse 3 and 4. Now, the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God, and He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for old, the old order of things will be passed away. There is a new earth coming one day. And we can have confidence that God is in control. And for all of us who trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, uh, we ought to recognize when these pestilences of life that occur and have happened all throughout history, uh, whether what degree they come, we know this, that this world ultimately is not our home, that there is a new creation that God has made for all who believe in Him and call Him Lord. And the other thing is, is I would say this, there's always been a sickness among us. There's always been a pandemic. And that pandemic is this, it's sin. That all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
There's always been a pandemic amongst us, and it's that of sin. It's the sickness that has infected mankind. Secondly, there's also this. There is a need. There's a need for forgiveness of the sin that we have. Just like there appears to be a need for good advice today and good counsel, there appears to be a need for us to have understanding, so is there a need for us today to understand that our hope and our trust can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Sickness and sin point us to our need. And that need can only be provided through the person of Jesus Christ, through the blood that He has shed. Because the Bible says there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And so Christ has shed His own blood for you and for me. And then lastly, I think for believers it's important for us to recognize that there is an opportunity to share of the hope that we have been given, to share of the faith that we believe saves us, and that is through Jesus Christ. So I think it is an opportunity for us this day. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's look at Second Kings chapter 5, one of my favorite stories, and let's read that together. Now Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served as Naaman's, she served Naaman's wife, and she said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Now, what do we know about Naaman? Naaman basically is this. He is a great and mighty general, probably the most powerful army of the world at this time. And he is a mighty man. He is in charge of the army. But he has leprosy. He has this disease that is the most dreaded disease of anything. It was like uh, the super-duper swine flu of that day. Now, leprosy is this. It's a disease that attacks your nerves. And it attacks the nerves particularly in your fingers, your nose, your ears, your toes. And I had an opportunity, actually, to go to a leprosy colony just a couple of years ago in Molokai. And what, we found, what I found out was very interesting. First of all, only 4% of the people in the world can even get leprosy. You have to have a certain gene that even allows you to receive it. But now we have medication that basically has eradicated the disease of leprosy. It basically uh, has, in effect killed off that gene. Now, you can still very, very rarely get it, but as soon as you take that medication, it kind of stops it in its track. But I got to meet a lot of people that had that disease of leprosy. Now, in the day uh, that this is tra- transpiring, in the day of Elisha, it was mighty bad, though. And they would uh, put you, they thought everybody could contract leprosy, and it was kind of the worst thing that you could get. But isn't it interesting that this young girl, the Bible tells us, takes advantage of this opportunity to tell her master, who incidentally, the Scripture even calls her a slave, she's working for these folks, it's not in her home, but she takes this opportunity to share of the good news, to share of the power of the God she knows, to share of someone she knows that could heal slash save Naaman. She uses the opportunity. She uses the perseverance within her. Now, I want to show you a video of another person called Bethany Hamilton, 
who took what seemed to be a terrible situation in her life and used it for the glory of God, used it to bring Him praise. I want to show you that right now. Let's look at that video. Since Bethany was a little girl, her dream was to become a professional surfer. After the shark attack, that dream had seemingly come to an end. A lot of people just ask me like, how I'm able to surf or deal with the media or anything. And all I can say is that God just gives me the strength to just deal with it and share His love. Bethany's story gives everybody hope. Kids that have lost something in their lives and think it's all over when it's really not. Bethany kind of shows the world that, you know, any problem can be overcome, you know, and there's hope and everything. That's what I did. I made the choice and gave my problems to God, and He's taken care of it, and He's brought so much good to come out of what seems like such a bad thing, and I'm stoked that I didn't give up on life, and I just look to God for my strength. Perseverance. Here's a young girl who's determined that she will persevere in spite of her loss. Just like we're talking about a little girl uh, in this time in the uh, with King Aram and Elisha and Naaman in the same day and age that they live literally thousands of years ago is in a situation much like Bethany Hamilton. Yeah, it's not. Uh, she didn't lose her arm, but she's lost her family. She's lost her freedom. But yet she can still speak of the goodness and the power of God. She uses this opportunity to tell of the greatness of the God that she knows, of the greatness of one who has the power to heal. Well, as we continue in our story, what happens? Well, Naaman, at this point, he's desperate. Yes, even a young girl who gives me a message of hope, I will try. And so he goes to his king and tells him, look, there's hope. There seems to be someone that I've been told of by this little girl who works for me that there is hope of healing, maybe in Israel. And so that king says, okay, I'll, I'll send a gift. I'll send word to the king of Israel. If you will do this, uh, I will handsomely repay you. And so he tells the king of Israel who doesn't recognize what is right before him. He doesn't recognize the fullness and the power of God and how God has spoken through his prophet Elijah. And so he becomes so upset that he thinks this king is about to wage war upon him. He becomes so upset that the Bible tells us that he tears his robe. Tears his robe. Now, boys and girls, they would do that in this day and time because when they got real upset, kind of like, you know, when your mom or daddy gets real upset and they make this really ugly face, you know, they make this really bad face to you. Well, what they would do in this day and age sometimes is they would tear their clothes. They would literally tear them. And it showed that they were tremendously upset and frustrated. Now, at this point, uh, Elisha, who is the prophet, the one who speaks for God, hears of this word and he sends word. He says, look. I will heal Naaman if he will come to me. So Naaman comes to his house, and he comes to Naaman and he says, uh, I'm here, and what does Elisha do? He sends his messenger out and he says, Go and dip yourself in the river of Jordan seven times. And you know what happens? Naaman gets mad. Naaman says, I don't want to go to this river. Matter of fact, I don't think it's that good of a river. 
We've got rivers back home that are better and probably cleaner. Are you just trying to embarrass me? Basically, what has he told him to do? He's told him basically, go baptize yourself seven times is basically what he's saying. Go dip yourself under the water seven times. You know, uh, just two weeks ago and two more weeks from today, we'll have baptism again, and many people will come and be baptized. And what happens is we will take them underwater and then we'll bring them up. Well, that's exactly what Naaman was having to do, except he was doing it to himself. He was going underwater seven times and then coming up as a statement of faith of his trust. And that's what we do when we're baptized. Because of our faith, because we have trusted Christ, we're baptized because Christ has asked us. Well, here, the prophet Elisha has asked Naaman to go and dip himself seven times. Well, he's so mad at this because it's not something that's showy, something that can show off his talents or his money, that he takes off and he leaves. And you know what happens? One of his servants come again and they say, you know what? If he would ask you to do something big, to pay money or to do something else, would you have done it? Well, yes, I would have done it. Then why not do this simple thing? So he goes back, and the Bible tells us that after he had dipped himself seven times, that he came up and his skin was that as of a young boy. Which makes me think that his skin was even cleaner than it was before. Because it was that of a young boy. Boy, And he's so thrilled that he makes this statement. Now I know that God, the God of Israel, is the real, true, and living God. That's the real, true, and living God because of what he's done for me. Why? Because Naaman had a sickness, just like we do. We have a sin problem. He had a need. He could not heal himself. He needed to be forgiven. I want to read to you one more passage. We've seen right here that God was near, that God was greater than sin, and that God is ultimately controlled. There's one more passage I want to read to you. This is a great one of my favorite Psalms, and it's in Psalms uh, 46. If you have your Bible, uh, look there with me. Psalms 46. And it says this God is our refuge and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. And it's interesting how the psalmist lets us know that God is in charge of nature. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Recognize this, that God is near, and that He is not taken surprised by nature moves on and we see that God is in charge of the society, that God has control. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God and the holy place where the Most High dwells. And God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her, break, help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord and the desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And then here's a great verse for us. Be still and know that I am God. In the midst of everything, recognize that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress.
The pastor lets us know that God is near. He's not taken surprise by the events of our world. That God is greater than anything that can come our way. His power is supreme. And He is ultimately in control. God is in control. He hasn't been taken back. He hasn't been surprised. He still holds the world in the palm of His hand. The question is, do we trust Him yet still? This morning, I want to invite you to trust Him if you've never done so. If you've never trusted Christ your Savior, I invite you to come this morning. If you need prayer, I invite you to come this morning. There's also a tear-off in your bulletin, and you can fill that out with as much information as you would like to. If you have a special prayer request, you can put that on there. But as God leads, I invite you to come. I'm going to invite our musicians to come up at this time, and we're going to pray. And as God leads you, you respond. Father, thank You for this time together this morning. Thank You that... Uh, You know our hearts. You know our lives. You know the world that we live in. God, I thank You for each family that is here today, for each boy and girl that is gathered here this morning. I pray, Lord, that You would let us have a mind that recognizes, Father, that we indeed uh, are sick with sin and need forgiveness, that we have a need, but that You have the power to forgive us, that greater is He that sent us than he that is in the world. Lord, if there's one that needs to come to know You today, I pray that they would come. And Father, we will trust You today, tomorrow, and in the days ahead. In Your name I pray. Amen.